This podcast is intended for educational purposes only and is not to be construed as an offer, solicitation, recommendation, or endorsement of any particular security, product, or service. For more information, visit assetbuilder.com. From the Asset Builder headquarters in Dallas, Texas, welcome to Keep It Simple, a show that discusses simple techniques and philosophies to help de-stressify investors around the world. I'm your host, Jared Herzog, and welcome to the show. Joey Bottinger. <laughs> Bottinger, yes. Nailed it. Oh, man. I love it. How you doing today, man? I, all right. I hate the shirt. What? I hate the shirt. Sorry, I can't hear you. Sound like yeah, sound like an idiot over there. That's What's okay. Going on? That's all right. I'll let you in my house anyway. Um, right, sorry, the podcast studio, the podcast studio. That's what I meant. Yeah, podcast, podcast studio, studio. <laughs> that happens to be in my house. Although we are supposed to be back in the office next next month. Yeah, uh, hopefully, if they can get their freaking those, elevator equipment. Yeah, if anyone on the management team of that building is watching this podcast, get it together. To get it together. Be serious about the fifteenth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, get it together. Yeah, You're killing us. Don't play with my heart like that. Uh, but that aside, I'm happy that we have somewhere <laughs> we can get together and do this. Yeah. I love doing these, man. I'm excited to be here today. You put this one together. Yes, sir. You led the research on this. Normally, one yeah. of the two of us take, kind of takes lead on the research. Yeah. I'm excited about this episode because I think I'm going to learn something from it. I um, hope so. I, that, that's the goal. I, I think I will. We always talk a lot about like how much do we want to do kind of theory-related stuff, how much do we kind of want to do very base-level kind of general finance stuff, and how much do we want to do newsy, yeah, you know, yeah. Uh, kind of headline topic kind of stuff. And it falls in that latter bucket, which I enjoy doing a lot. And I hope it's useful to you guys listening. Uh, we're going to talk about AI today. Oh, yeah. And kind of the, the, the discussion of AI in the zeitgeist yes. in general and how yeah, that relates to Mark. And I think, and like you, I want to I want to call back to, you said, I, I hope to learn something today. And I think you, you might learn something about AI. Yep. But it's going to be amazing that it all reverts back to kind of the same things we talked about. Even though, yes, even though this hey, is man. in the news and it's it's up to date, a I want to principles. learn how to think about, I'm an investor. Yeah. Like everybody. Yeah. Oh, yeah, you yeah. Know? So I, I, well, I am. <laughs> yeah. and I, I want to know yeah. how to think about AI yeah. because it is, I mean, it is in every article you see nowadays. Oh, yeah. Right? Like yeah. it's being talked about by every business podcast I listen to. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's let's dive in. So yeah, number number one, I want you to guess where I got this headline. Okay. Um, what's the secret to the best stock pickers in Congress? Question mark AI. Who, who wrote that one? That sounds... Oh, okay. So there's a political leaning to it. Maybe like a, a not a Wall Street Journal. G- give me a non-finance. I'll, I'll just guess a non-finance source. Well, like more of a political source with that title. You're loose yeah, or cold. <laughs> okay. I'm going to guess you found that on your Google homepage. No. Yahoo Finance. Okay. Yeah, All finance, right. Yeah. All right. Well, okay. So that kind of fits. Uh, yeah. I was thinking like it can't be like a Wall Street Journal or a Market Watch, which is with that kind of yeah. headline. But okay. Yeah. yeah. But um. But all that to say, one of the big guys, yeah. like they're very well known. I think most people know Yahoo Finance. Oh, yeah. Kind wow. of an interesting eye grabbing what they're supposed to do. Eye grabbing article, and and what it basically talked about is essentially this is very interesting. Um, and I didn't know this before this. Um, a Democrats have been outperforming Republicans. Um, based on, and the reason they got this, how they got this knowledge is there's two ETFs. I'm not even going to list them just for the safety of like, I, I don't yeah, know if people don't should be investing them. in these <laughs> things, but obviously 
like we hold our own opinions here. Um, uh, ask your advisor if right. it's right for you, whatever that whole, <laughs> yeah. we got a list. They, they have two ETFs that kind of track the Democrats, uh, what the Democrats hold and what the Republicans hold, which is like Congress, yeah, Congress yeah, congressmen. Yeah. Sorry. Okay. And, uh, yeah, not just the entire country, but apparently the democratic ETF is more heavily weighted in technology stocks versus the Republicans were more heavily weighted last year in energy, which killed it. Right, so right. that's what they're saying is that because the Democrats have technology stocks, not to say AI, but technology stocks in that ETF, um, they're they're beating them, right? They're killing it. And so it kind of makes it okay. Which is interesting given that Democrats are the one leading the charge against you know, big tech. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. So that's what we're here to talk about today. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but no, I thought that was very interesting. One, I was just blown away that there is even an ETF that follows the holdings of the yeah. Democratic Congressional Party, um, which I just found was very interesting. But yeah, that's that's one. Eye-catching, again, kind of gets you to like, why, what, what's going on? What, what does Congress know that I don't know? If these guys right. are making the laws, is there something behind it right. uh, as to why they're they're picking these stocks, you know? which can be dangerous because maybe they do know something you don't know. I know there's been a lot of stuff um, in the past oh, yeah. years about like how they have some inside trading. well-timed trades. Yeah, weird. Uh, uh, but yeah, that's that's one thing. All right, next next article I want to talk about that I headline I read. Um, and these were not hard to find. These were yeah. like, maybe I went to the website and scrolled down. And yeah, exactly. These AI-driven stocks are up triple digits so far this year. Some are still biased, but some I wouldn't buy with free money. Who wrote that one? Ooh, so anti AI, kind of. Not anti, but but anti the 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 gold rush mindset. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's got to be a little bit more seasoned. Um, that's going to be like a uh, like a Kiplinger's. Nope, that is Motley Fool. Okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah that yeah. makes sense. Yeah. Okay. So I'm Motley, not Motley Fool. Yeah, they, they are. They do write some good articles. I yeah. will. I will say I enjoy it. Um, yeah. And a lot of people, but a lot of these articles are to catch your to your catch your eye and to right. empathize with people that are reading these articles. AI is pretty attractive based on these articles. Yeah. Um, so this one just basically got off to saying like ChatGPT has really illustrated a wide range of the abilities that AI has, mm-hmm. um, and and. In my opinion, I don't have a lot of factual basis for this, but Chat GPT really got the year started and people's interest peaked in AI and kind of this kind of catapulted this whole AI frenzy right, right now. Right. Um, and it even says long-term investors need to be careful not to take cues from short-term investors or day traders because in this article, it said the subsequent gold rush for all things AI has investors scrambling to profit from the massive potential of afforded by this technology. That's true. Yep. But do you want to be scrambling with your investments, you know? And that's yeah. kind of dangerous. And so that sounds more like greed. Yeah, exactly. And right. that's where I mean we get into the psychology of money. We can go back to those wonderful podcast series that we did, but I mean, you got to be careful. We can bite you. So that's that's Number two okay. article. Number we're, three, we're laying a nice groundwork here. Yeah. I like <laughs> number three. The magnificent. This one gets me. This magnificent AI stock is taking off, and it could jump one hundred and eighty percent, according to Wall Street. Who wrote that one? It's kind of a trick question. Um, Wall Street Journal. Uh, no, well, no, <laughs> that would have been perfect. But Motley oh. Fool also wrote this. Oh, one. Okay, interesting. Yeah, it's just laying out of some of these stocks that did did really really well during this time frame, And mm-hmm. it's just, 
Uh, I think one of them was uh, 3CAI. Do you know? Uh, or sorry, C3AI. Do you know who that is? 3CAI? Uh, or sorry, C3. Nope. C3AI. Nope. Mm-mm. It's up 224%. Oh, but good for them. Exactly. But again, it just has, it has AI in the name. Right. I don't even know what they do. I don't even know if they turn a profit. Are they actually turning a profit or is it just an attractive ticker symbol? Yep. You know? Um, and it, I mean, 224%, oh, if you, if you had, if you had it when it was, I don't know what, it, let's just say it was $1. I don't know what it actually is. Um, but if you had it when it was $1 and it jumped 224%, good for you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Would you buy it today? Yep. When it's up 224%, would you probably buy it today? Most likely. Just give me. Uh, no. Why? Uh, well, it doesn't fit with my f- philosophy, my approach. So I think this reeks of like 1999, 2000. Oh, yeah. Um, That's where we're getting to, but yeah. Now, well, okay, so let's keep going before I... No, I no, 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 no. You're actually going to the right area, so go ahead. Well, and I mean, I probably... I, I Because this is what I do for a living, I... I, I probably have a slight unfair advantage relative to the average person in terms of how they think about it. Mm-hmm. But, and I'll give a shout out to a guy that I absolutely love. I, I've probably mentioned him on this podcast before, but he's a guy named Ben Thompson. He has a, a newsletter at a website called Stratechery. Mm-hmm. And it basically is the overlap of business strategy. He focuses on tech, but he talks about everything. And he is so smart and so, so he thinks about things in such a macro, big picture, logical way. And I've been following him for a decade now and he's almost always right. He's ahead of the curve. Um, And he talks a lot about aggregation theory as -hmm. it relates to things that are tech-based, internet-based specifically. If you look back at the tech bubble in 2000, I think what we are in right now is the bet placing phase, right? This is the phase where anyone that, look, Nobody knows what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Nobody. In 2000, anybody that put .com in their name or even mentioned the internet got an automatic bump in stock price. And mm-hmm. obviously, the people that run those corporations who are compensated on that stock price are happy and they knew they to doing. take that bump. They yeah. knew exactly what they were doing. But as investors, you have to be more savvy. You have to look at the actual business and say, are they disrupting something? Are they doing something unique to add additional value to stakeholders, whether you're a customer, a shareholder, are they actually increasing stakeholder value or are they just, is that a marketing spin? And there's a big difference, right? So right now you have something like ChatGPT that, don't get me wrong, it's neat AF what it can do, right? Like, like what you do there. Yeah, yeah I mean, <laughs> I, I think it's super interesting. And of course, I can use my brain and say, wow, I can definitely see a lot of applications mm-hmm. where this could be used and be disruptive. But we're a long, long ways away from having a well-defined, like back in the day, who would have thought that Google would basically, they what Google did was figure out how to monetize how hard it would be to navigate the internet. Mm-hmm. There's so much information. I need someone to sort and organize that information. Mm-hmm. It took Google a long time to become Google, mm-hmm. right? Because not only did they have competition, they had to weed out the people that were going against them, but we didn't know that that was where the the choke point in the value chain was going to be mm-hmm. for many years, mm-hmm. right? We're in that same spot now. We don't know if it's going to be the people that write the engines mm-hmm. that extract most of the value, right? In other words, we don't know if it's going to be individual websites. We don't know if it's going to be the people that learn how to leverage these engines the best. Mm-hmm. We don't know if these engines are even going to be able to operate because to be clear, they're using a lot of information that they haven't paid for. 
Mm-hmm. So chat GPT is trained on troves of data that they haven't paid anybody for. Mm-hmm. So if I'm investing in an AI company that's using this information, well, what if the government comes in and says, hey, you have to pay royalties to every content creator yeah. that you've used to train your entity. That changes financials massively. Yeah. All I'm trying to do is lay out for you, this is early, early, early days. Yeah, very, very early days. There will be winners. And my guess is it's going to look a lot like the tech, the first tech wave did. There's going to be a handful of massive, never-before-seen winners. Mm-hmm. That's what aggregation theory in the world of business means. It's a winner-take-all effect, right? Mm-hmm. The better you get, the faster you get even better, and that leads to runaway winners. Mm-hmm. But you're going to have a ton of corpses on the side of the road. Yeah, yeah. And I think right now, the average investor needs to be very, very weary that you're not putting all your horses on one of those things that's going to be a corpse inside the road at this early phase in the oh, game. Oh, yeah, absolutely. We know, we know way less than, than we don't know. And that's, and that's a very, and this is like, I mean, that was a perfect segue into what uh, the next article I want to talk about and why this article in particular scares me a little bit more. Yeah. Um, is because it says, this is, how can we possibly be in a bull market right now? Question mark. Two letters, AI. And that's from CNN Business. I'm done with the quiz. Uh, yep, yep, yep. <laughs> uh, and it just said, and I'm just going to quote it, the recent surge in market strength has been largely driven by just a few mega cap tech stocks. After a horrible year in big tech in 2022, optimism has returned as chat GPT has made AI the it thing in Silicon Valley. Mm-hmm. Investors are placing big bets on Alpha, uh, Meta, Apple, Amazon. Al- just so if anyone doesn't know, Alf- Alphabet is Google. Yep. Um, Amazon, NVIDIA. Tesla and others, hoping they can drive a new tech revolution with artificial intelligence, CNN business. That's scary language, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. I mean, don't get me wrong, like those, those names are recognizable and you can for sure research them and they have one for the most part. But to be saying, I'm going to place a bet yeah. on them, that's dangerous. Yeah. I, I like it when, when you start using the word investors and bet in the same sentence, that's when it's no longer investing in my opinion. And that's called speculation. Mm-hmm. And that's what we're doing here. Mm-hmm. Um, and even these small stocks too, right? When you're not actually, you're, you're placing a bet that let's just use uh, C3.ai, for example, when you are not really researching them, you're not evaluating them or, or giving the proper valuation that you should. And you are now just saying like, I hope they do well. Yep. Um, and that's that's the strict basis of yep. your investment in them. That's called speculation. That's when it becomes gambling. And we talked about opinion. speculation. We talked about crypto. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Speculation. The difference between speculation and investing. Speculation. You could only win if that price continues to go up. In other words, you could only win if you're able to sell that thing for more than you bought mm-hmm. it. Whereas with investment, I can invest in a company. And that company can lose market cap. But if I hold on to that stock long enough and it has a healthy earnings, eventually I'll make my money back. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So doing anything and buying any stock with the assumption of this price will continue to go up without understanding the underlying business and having reasonable, sufficient information to support the assumption that price will continue yeah. to go up is very dangerous. And I would argue, I mean, none of these companies are profitable. Yeah. The, the market's not these big little enough. ones, not, not Amazon. Yeah. Like these, well, I, these, I'm sorry. Yeah. The, the, the AI components. Yeah. yeah, yeah, the, yeah. These, these profit centers, these cost centers, yeah, yeah. they are not profitable yet. Um, and uh, my guess is the amount of money that it takes to build them. I mean, chat GPT took billions and billions and billions of dollars to write because mm-hmm. it takes a massive amount of computing power. You have acres and acres and acres of server farms used yeah. to generate these models. So it's going to be years before they're profitable. Mm-hmm. So, Buying these stocks at this point in time, either you have a super long horizon 
or you're speculating. Yeah. Right. And, and one of those, they can both be true or one can be true. And if you do have a long time horizon, fine. But even then I would still caution, take an ETF mindset. Yeah. Right. And, yeah. and we'll, uh, we'll pivot later into why I think indexing and particularly the way that we invest, um, <laughs> not as a sales method, but just as a, look, I invest that way because I believe in it because I yeah. studied the data. Why I think it's actually is going to capture a lot of this value really efficiently, but mm -hmm. I digress. Yeah. Yeah. And that cuts to our sponsor of the day is Asset Builder. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, oh, man. Uh, Our sponsor is supposed to pay you? Yeah. yeah. Well, they do, but not the podcast. Yeah, yet. exactly. Uh, but anyway, uh, yeah. So, I mean, and having a history of that knowledge of the ETF model and, and like things like that, having that mindset is so important. And that's kind of the next step we're, we're getting to here is that probably if you're listening to this, you're probably thinking like, well, are they predicting a bubble? I am not saying we are in a bubble. I'm not saying one is growing. But a lot of conditions are starting to look right. Um, and I'm just cautioning and just being precautionary, right? That's all mm -hmm. I'm doing here. Um, one of the, and this is from the book, The Four Pillars of Investing, which we'll have a podcast series on. It's a great book. Um, but the necessary conditions for a bubble is based on the author, uh, a major technological revolution or shift in financial practice. AI, nailed it. Yep. Uh, liquidity, easy credit. Right now, rates are going up, but they'll probably go back down. Um, Amnesia for the last bubble, right? The tech bubble, which was about 23 years ago. And in this book, he says it takes about 30 years for a generation to forget about the last bubble. Yep. Uh, granted, I'm not talking about the housing bubble. I think that's a little bit yeah, different. Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, the stock market driven yeah, bubble. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so amnesia for the last one takes about 30 years or a generation. We're at 23. And humans uh, are going to human. Yeah, yep, exactly. And then a this last one, abandonment for time-honored methods of secure valuation, usually caused by a takeover of the market by ex inexperienced investors. And that's just people mm. getting really frenzied and just saying like, if they have that shiny object, they're mm. telling me about that shiny object. I want it too, because I don't want to miss out. Yeah. Because I've had, the reason I even wrote this podcast is, uh, I've heard, one, I've heard a lot about AIs and I'm like, okay, I'm sure other people or my clients are, are talking about this or reading these same things. So I want to address them. Yep. Uh, but one, I mean, I've had clients come to me and say like, should I be buying this? And it's, I mean, if you want to, sure. Uh, if you want to take 5% of your portfolio and go do what you want with it, by all means, I'm not going to do that for you because I don't recommend it. But if you want to do that and, and, and scratch that itch, by all means, Yep. but I don't recommend it necessarily. Yep. Um, or at least in the, in the, Things that we manage for you, I'm not going to do it. Yep. Um, because it's just, it's well, dangerous and it just becomes chasing it is. a it, shiny object. And that's where, so, right, like part of our job is figuring out when is something reasonable and when is it not? Like, mm -hmm. by definition, the endeavor of investing is a risky endeavor. Now, I don't mm -hmm. mean risky as in dangerous. I mean, you're introducing uncertainty. That is why we get return for doing that, mm -hmm. right? Because you're willing to take on that uncertainty when others aren't. Mm -hmm. Now, our job is to figure out what is the right amount of uncertainty to introduce. Mm -hmm. That can be a function of a lot of different things. It could be a function of where a certain sector is in its life cycle, right? Like the AI industry, I would say, is very early on. So oh, I yeah. think you have to factor in a lot of uncertainty there because we don't know who the players are going to be. A lot of these companies aren't even public yet. There's a lot that has to be flushed out. Um, and side note, I actually, what scared me about that headline was these tech companies from the prior boom are so big and so powerful mm -hmm. 
that they're almost able to quash out all the other competition that would, in a prior generational cycle, would be unseated and disrupted, mm-hmm. right? Because the primary driver of stock returns over time, as you mentioned, is a technological revolution. But in the past, that typically meant you would unseat the entrenched and a mm-hmm. new wave of entrants would, would mm-hmm. come in, right? So yeah. that's why railroad companies aren't the big players anymore, yeah. right? Steel companies aren't the big players anymore. We're in this new weir- weird realm where these companies are so big and so broad and so well diversified in their industry that they're they're able to chokehold the new wave mm-hmm. and entrench themselves into the new wave. Whether or not that's a good thing remains to be seen, but I think yeah. it's something to watch. Yeah. Um, that said, part of our job is to figure out, is this the right time? And one of the reasons why indexing is so efficient over time and performs so well over time is because the very way they're built indexes and index funds, they do the work for you in figuring out when that point is being reached. Mm-hmm. Okay. So we're not sitting here saying that we would never recommend anybody invest in AI. Of course, we're not saying that. Especially not tech. We have a lot of, our, a a lot ton of the of funds that we're in are in those companies, in some of those big companies. A massive companies, amount yeah. of them. I mean, a, a large portion of them because yeah. they're the biggest companies in the world. Yeah. But what indexing does is fundamentally, it limits your exposure the more uncertainty there is involved. The more the uncertainty is worked out of the system, the more you hold of it. Now, you could argue that you're not capturing as much of the return as you otherwise would have if you had been an early entrant, but there's a big trade-off in risk for that. And as I mentioned, there's going to be a ton of bodies in the side of the road when this is all said and done. A ton mm-hmm. of people, ton of venture capital is pouring into AI right now and has over the last three, four years. Mm-hmm. Venture capital, as we know, low probability game. So there's going mm-hmm. to be a ton of dead bodies that didn't make it. Don't be one of those. And indexing helps you avoid that because there's a filter built into that yeah. process of how it enters the index, how it works its way up through the index. Mm-hmm. And as it does work its way up through the index, it it increases your exposure to it. Now. Mm-hmm. We even agree that we're actually okay with taking on some of that risk earlier on in a company life cycle. Mm-hmm. And this is a little bit more detailed than we usually get on this podcast. But one of the things we do is there are things known as risk premiums mm-hmm. in the market. Okay. You could invest in individual stocks, you could invest in mutual funds, index funds. If you invest in a basic index fund or ETF that's tracking an index, you're we're what's known as market cap weighted. Right. Mm-hmm. So what dictates how much you hold of a certain stock and index is the size, the market cap of that company. The bigger the market cap, the bigger percentage of your money goes to that stock within that index fund. Mm-hmm. We do what's called weighting towards small cap. Now we also have there are other risk premiums, but one of the risk premiums is this idea that instead of evenly distributing your money across the market cap weighting system, mm-hmm. data shows that actually if you tilt some of that money slightly into small cap funds over time, that smaller cap funds over time, mm-hmm. your returns will be greater than the market cap weighted index. Mm-hmm. And that kind of checks out, right? The bigger the company, the less room there is to grow. Their head's almost at the ceiling already. And they're more secure. And they're more secure. So they're going to be less risky in general. Now, whether that's true in 100 years, who knows, but it's definitely been true for the last 100 years. Smaller companies have a lot of room to grow. So if I'm willing to accept the marginal increase in volatility or uncertainty associated with that slightly increased exposure to those smaller companies, I'm compensated in an outsized way. In other words, you're taking, let's say, one additional unit of risk to tilt towards smaller cap companies in your portfolio, Mm -hmm. but I'm getting two units of reward over time. Mm -hmm. Now, if it was one unit for one unit, that's not value. But if I can take one unit of risk for one and a half units of reward, 
well, those numbers check out yeah. for me. Yeah. I win. So yeah. we do that. We believe that taking a little bit additional risk in smaller cap companies earlier on the life cycle is mm -hmm. a good thing, but we do so in such a diversified way yeah. that we mitigate out a lot of that risk. Yeah, you're not overexposing you're to not just over one company. Yeah. And that's what I think the people in these articles, the people, the average person that reads these articles, that's what they fall victim to. They overconcentrate. Yeah, exactly. It's not entering that space. It's entering that space in too few companies mm -hmm. on really, like, I mean, crypto is coming back to my mind so much when we talk about this because... I fundamentally believe the AI industry is very different from crypto because crypto, I think, is fake. Well, my I mean, belief, but there's not an app to my knowledge. I'm sure there's someone out there being like, oh my gosh, there is. <laughs> but, yeah, of course. Uh, like, there is so much more of a application of AI than there in is the real crypto. world. In the real world, then there's there is a way crypto. to actually provide value with yeah. AI that changes lives in a yeah. way that. I think a lot of people that want to sell you crypto will tell you there's a lot of applications. But last time I checked, my greenback skipped me around the world pretty well. Yeah, so. <laughs> You know, maybe your crypto is better. Maybe it's not. I ain't taking the risk to find yeah. out. But I, I just, I personally know so many people that lost like decent amounts of money over the last three years, mm. all because up here, it was yeah. all between the ears. It was mm. the psychology of I'm missing something. Mm -hmm. yeah, and no, that absolutely. is what drives these bubbles, right? Yeah, and, and so if we're, in, if we're entering another bubble, yeah. Don't make the same mistakes. Learn. Exactly. Yeah. And I think a lot of people, an, another quote from the uh, uh, four pillars of investing was the most expensive, the four most expensive words in the English language of this time it's different. Right. Oh yeah. And I think uh, humans, we have a hard time when we say uh, a long time horizon, really what we mean is like 60 years. It's hard for me to get past five. It's hard for me to get past 10. Wow. Now we're talking 20. Yep. I can't even think that, you know? And I mean, don't get me wrong. I was eight years old, 20 years ago. And, yeah. Uh, but like, it's hard for, it's hard for us to think of past 20 years, but that we have, and something you said a little bit ago of like, we have a lot of data, more than a hundred years of data or, or close to hundred years. I shouldn't say, I shouldn't say more. Uh, we've close to hundred years of data of just stuff talking about diversification and, and of really, how capital markets, yeah, behave, and how capital yeah. markets work. And that's good to use. But I think a lot of people will say, well, in the last 20 years, this happened. Well, yes, but that's, only 20 years of a hundred years of data that we have. Like that's not, but even then not much of the overall trends have changed. No, exactly. I mean, and that's what I'm saying is that like you, you have to make sure you're going all the way back because I mean, yeah. do you know when the clock was made? I have no idea. All right. It was 1761. Again, this is according to the book, Interesting. investing, but yeah, I can't decide if that's earlier or later than I would have guessed. But yeah. that, that number seems about right. <laughs> to us, a clocks have always existed. Right, though, exactly. right? Can you imagine like the 1600s, a clock didn't exist? How did you get, how'd you get through the day? I don't yeah, know. Anyway, yeah, <laughs> that's wild to me. That is. Uh, but anyway, so it was, it was made in 1761 in that day and age. And even today, it's still kind of a modern marvel. It's just mm -hmm. wild, right? Mm -hmm. um, I have no idea how this thing on my wrist operates, to be honest. And it's all mechanical, but wild. Uh, the guy who made it made almost no money off it. And yeah. I mean, yeah, I'm sure he made some money off it, but not to like, it wasn't like Rockefeller, mm -hmm. right? He didn't make billions, but you know who did make money off of it? The East India Trading Company. And I'm sure you've heard of them yep. right? because they needed it. They desperately needed it and they used it to, in an advantageous way to their business. Yep. And their, their investors made a ton of money off the East India Trading, trading Company. company. Yep. Um, and that's kind of what I want to get to is AI, these initial companies that are actually making AI are great. And and if you invest in them early, you got lucky. Awesome. I'm sure you made so a ton of money. That's a perfect example. That's what I was saying about like, 
the value choke point, right? Yeah. Like we didn't know that Google was going to accrue all that value because we need someone to tell us where to find the information yeah. we need specifically in this vast sea of information. Yeah. And so, but there were, there was a decade plus where we didn't know that. Exactly. Right? And so we're in that similar phase, but that story is a perfect example of that. Yeah. And, and, but, and that's the case. That's the thing too, is a lot of the times it's not the companies creating these things. It's the companies that are utilizing them really well. Yeah. That, are, are the big benefactors and it's the and, people and that the, figure out how to use the technology exactly. to extract value. Exactly. Right? And right now, yeah, yeah G- chat GPT writing articles, it's novel. It's cool. But honestly, I mean, it, it, but if it's you don't not know different. The right, if you don't know the right question to ask, if you don't know the right way, like say, say you ask a question in chat GPT, you ask the right question, whatever that may be, you ask a good question and then it, it spits out a response. Now that you have this data, this response, you have to know what to do with it and the best way to apply it for that the response to even be effective. That's right. Because if you don't do that, then, well, ChatGPT is rendered useless, right? Exactly. It's like trying to, I mean, it's like trying to uh, use a, a hammer when you need a screwdriver kind yeah. of thing. Like if you don't have the right tool, well, then the tool is rendered useless. A hammer in that situation is rendered useless. Agreed. And so um, all that to say, like these companies, like these, that small one that I was talking about, the C3.ai, whatever. For the initial investors in that company, yeah, they made a killing. I'm sure yep. it's great for them, but people that are getting in late to those companies tend to get burned, right? Yep. So now if you're chasing this shiny object, that's up 224% or whatever it is. Um, if you get in now, there's a much higher chance that you're going to get burned than those people that bought in when it was whatever stupid low. Yep. So all that to say, yeah, just, I and, think- and it, if you do the indexing model and, and kind of approach that and have a good diversification, you can kind of, wean out that risk yeah. and and not get burned by being overexposed to one company or two companies. <laughs> that's interesting. I, I wonder if there's this data out there. I'll, I'll try to look for it. I'm sure there is. Um, but you, know, you, you mentioned the generational thing, right? Like it takes 30 years. Mm-hmm. And I think probably now more than ever, young people think everything is stupid. <laughs> like the way that our, <laughs> the way that our grandparents Sorry. did it. Like, oh, okay, I'm just trying to imagine yeah, yeah, like, yeah. As, as I sit here, cause I know how, like, Oh, that mindset was the like, mindset that of like mindset you index. Yeah. Like, no, we have technology and AI to tell us what stocks and blah, blah. It's yeah. like, all right. I mean, maybe, Yeah, <laughs> but I've got data. What yeah. do you have? You have the idea. Maybe, yeah. maybe it'll work, but are you willing to risk your retirement on that bet? Yeah. I'm personally not. And so I think it's interesting like I wish we could do a, a poll. I wish I had the data to say like, what's the average age of someone that indexes versus the average age of someone that speculates? I bet mm-hmm. you there's a big difference there. Oh, that's yeah. probably demonstrable. Yeah. But I just think I know how it sounds when we say indexing and and be rational. And we're being tested as investors every day with media, with potential bubbles like AI, with disruptors. We're always being tempted to chase, to mm-hmm. change, to, to abandon your approach, your strategy, mm-hmm. it almost never works. No. Nope. Now, if you do it and you happen to be right, could it pay off? Sure. But you only hear those stories. Yeah. It's not acknowledged. The actual risk is real and the risk is much more likely than the win. Yeah. So as boring as it sounds, all I could tell you is study the data yourself. Mm-hmm. Study the data yourself. It's so overwhelming and this is not new. Sure, AI is new, but the idea of a disruptive technology, not new. Yeah, It's not new. And markets are very good at pricing in the value of that new technology. And the market will tell you what it's worth. Mm-hmm. It will. You just yeah. have to listen to it. And yeah. you have to not, not think that you're smarter than the market. Yeah. You wrote in your notes that I was looking at earlier, and I love this line. 
as far as we know, the market's the best AI we have, Yeah. right? Like the market's incredibly good at taking all the information that every investor puts into it by way of their buying and selling decisions mm -hmm. and outputting what something is worth. Yeah. And until someone comes up with something else mm -hmm. that does that more reliably and more efficiently, I'm going to follow those prices. Yeah. And what we're seeing here is that a lot of these companies, especially rough to their financials, are pretty pricey. Yeah. Pretty expensive. Yeah. So, and they're going up very, very quickly. Mm -hmm. So let's, please, let's try to learn from history. Yeah. Let's try to learn from history. We're not saying yeah. don't take risk. We're just saying don't take too much risk that you can actually stomach. Yeah. And exactly. Yeah. That's exactly. I, I wouldn't change anything that what you just said. And this is something that's, that's exciting. I think as, as someone that's on this side of investing as the investment advisor, um, AI is really exciting. Yeah. It can make the market even more efficient. I'm not saying it's going to replace the market. I'm not saying there's just going to be a bunch of bots doing all the buying and selling. Because again, there has to be a human behind it, making the right decision, asking the right question and setting the right things in forward or right things in place. But I mean, we're still going to like those buys and sells, right? That are, are AI might help make the price more accurate. Yep. And then therefore, if the price is more accurate, more people are buying and selling off that trade, then it's going to make the prices more efficient, the market more efficient overall. So yep. it's actually really exciting for the for like a, the investment side. And it's very exciting. And I think it'll make, you know, someone asked me the other day, like they said something like, you know, oh, it's going to put attorneys out of business because no one's going to need to write these documents or read these documents anymore. And it's like, well, maybe. They also could just mean that lawyers are able to do 10 times the work in the same amount of time. They're yeah. able to charge much less. And so now someone that couldn't have an attorney before can have an attorney. Yeah. Like, there's many, many ways to look at it. I think similar thing in our industry, I think about it, I mean, investing is, I don't know, pull a number out of the air. The majority of investing is emotional and psychological. Oh, absolutely. It is not, the, the data is there, right? These AIs have all been trained on the same data sets. So if they're trading against one another, ultimately they're all going to be trying to buy and sell the same thing. So yeah. it's not going to work. But most of my job is helping people navigate their own emotions. Yeah. Ask a robo-advisor about your family. See if they care. Yeah. Like, I mean, to be honest, I mean, a robo-advisor is a computer. Yeah. Which is, I mean, and some people have great success with them. I'm not to try to like talk down about robo-advisors, but they're not going to empathize with you. No. They're and, not going to hear you out. Yeah. Well, you know? and, and, and more importantly, they're not going to, like, look, there's reason on our website it says we have a behavioral focus because we do. We focus yeah. on the behavior. Yeah. And left to most people, even me, like, I need to be reinforced. I need to be told, chill out, sit in your seat, oh, trust yeah. the data. And if you have an AI bot, you know, running around doing stuff for you, who's to say you don't push the stop button or the go button? Or mm. I don't think our industry is going anywhere, quite frankly. Like in, in any value chain, the choke point in that value chain might change. I think part of our value might become identifying which AI tools are useful mm -hmm. and value additive and which AI tools are value subtractive, let's yeah. say, and, and just trying to, you know, assess fees or get yeah. fees out of your pocket or whatever. Um, who knows what the future holds, but in general, I think like always, if you have a plan, that plan hopefully involves discipline, it involves rationality, and it's a long-term plan. Mm -hmm. This AI thing, as exciting as it is, and as much as, you know, we're watching it like everybody is, default to that discipline, default to the long-term plan. Mm -hmm. That's what you got to keep your eye on because that is what you control. Yeah, staying in your seat is, is so important. You don't control any of this stuff, yeah. right? It could. It could become the next big thing in three years. It could be one year. It could take 15 years. Mm -hmm. So if you bet on this, even if you're right, if you're six months too early or six months too late, you could be hosed. And there's, right? 
And there's a lot of survivorship bias in those stories of people being right, right? You don't, like you, I mean, I I think you briefly said it, but like you really don't hear about all those bodies on the side, right? Because they can't tell their story because they didn't make it, you know? That's right. Versus the people that didn't make it, they can tell their story. And that's why it sounds like you missed out, but you're really only missing out. Well, the chances of you actually being in that same seat that the person's telling the story from is very limited. And guess what? You can still be a really good investor by going and buying Google today and holding it for the next 10 years. Like that will probably be a good investment for you. Yeah. Right. So being late is, I would argue, less risky than being way too early and being way too concentrated. But I, we could beat this in the ground. I I feel very strongly about this. As always, if you guys have any questions, if you want more resources, more education, please reach out to us. You can contact us at podcast at assetbuilder.com. Give us a call, go to our website. Um, We would love to hear from you. We always like hearing from you guys. Appreciate what you've been sending in. We'll be back in, I think, a week with, uh, I think we're going to start a series. Mm-hmm. Um, the Four the, Pillars of Investing. Yeah, we're going to review the Four Pillars of Investing, uh, which I think Joey just wrapped up, right? Mm-hmm. So very much looking forward to that. Uh, in the meantime, we're here if you guys need us. Joey, it's good to see you as always. It's good to see you too. All right, we'll see you next time. See ya. If you have any questions for Adam or Janet concerning this topic or anything else, please visit us at our home on the web, assetbuilder.com slash podcast. There you can find their contact information as well as the show notes for every episode.